Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, February 18th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and for Karen Brown. And this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a second wave of ice and snow swept through the central and northern parts of the state yesterday. We visit with the National Weather Service on the outlook for the days ahead. Then... Uh, we looked at that law as a, a great vehicle to stop those racist organizations from preventing members of Congress from doing their job. A Mississippi congressman uses legislation from 1871 as grounds to sue former President Trump. Plus, in our book club, Eudora Welty photographs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A second wave of winter precipitation swept through much of the state yesterday, prolonging hazardous road conditions and shutdowns another day, and causing extensive power outages. Highs today could creep into the mid-30s, but sub-freezing temperatures are expected to return at night. For more with the latest, we are joined by Daniel Lamb with the National Weather Service in Jackson. You know, we had a winter storm that moved across the state uh, yesterday evening, uh, the heaviest precipitation moved out of the state overnight, kind of around midnight, shortly thereafter. The heaviest was moving out. But we have had some lingering drizzle across a large chunk of the area. And unfortunately, uh, there's still quite a bit in the way of freezing temperatures. So some of that is freezing drizzle. And, of course, we already have uh, a considerable amount of ice accumulation. And as you get farther north in the state, that becomes more sleet and snow accumulation. So... Um, you know, we already have issues, but this is just adding a little additional light icing on top of that. Across the southern uh, portion of Mississippi, are they seeing any snow, freezing sleet, rain? As you get down into the southeast part of the state, temperatures are above freezing, um, basically from the Meridian to Laurel to Hattiesburg area, down to the coast, uh, even Macomb. Uh, so those areas, um, even though they might have had some very brief sleet or freezing drizzle yesterday, 
um, it's mainly been rain, and, the, and they're not really dealing with any accumulations on the ground in those areas. As you get farther to the west, over in southwest Mississippi, uh, they experienced quite a bit more ice yesterday. So uh, areas closer to around Natchez, there are quite a few power outages due to fallen trees and and uh, you know issues with utilities. And a lot of those areas are still below freezing, so they do still have probably some ice in the trees and some uh, accumulations on the ground as well. Central Mississippi, uh, I- I'm seeing slush outside on the road, so it must be above freezing. Yeah, and it kind of varies. Um, the, kind of the farther west you go, those areas are, are still below freezing. The farther east you go, temperatures kind of held up right at or just a little bit above freezing, and that helped out a little bit more for areas farther to the east. Um, farther to the west, though, I mean, there, there may be some slush, but there's quite a bit that's still on the ground and also on the roadways as you get closer over to Vicksburg and especially as you start to get up into the Delta. And up in the Delta and further north, we're going to see more ice. Right, right. And, you know, the additional amounts that we might see through early today are going to be very small, but they already have quite a bit of snow and sleet on the ground from from the Delta all up across uh, North Mississippi. So, uh, you know, the point is temperature with temperatures not rising very much today and it remaining cloudy, uh, we're going to have a lot of that sticking around through the day in the areas that already have those accumulations. Um, unfortunately, no no help from the sun looks very likely today uh, in terms of starting to, to melt away some of what we have already. So are you saying we should expect overcast, cloudy skies through most of the state? That's correct. Yeah, it's going to stay cloudy for, for most of the day today and to the early part of tonight. And that's unfortunate because we're going to get quite a bit colder tonight. That's going to cause this to continue to linger um, in a lot of the areas that already have those accumulations uh, into the day tomorrow. Um, and in the areas that have seen a little bit of melting, we'll also get some refreezing. So even in some of the areas where things have started to improve, we'll probably have an issue with black ice and flick spots on the roads on Friday morning. What are we talking about weather-wise for highs today in the state? Um, We're only expecting temperatures to rise maybe 3 to 5 degrees in most areas. Uh, Up in the delta into the northern part of the state, temperatures will, the high temperatures will be below freezing still. Um, Across kind of the central part of the area, mid-30s to maybe upper-30s, and then as you get farther to the south, down into the Pine Belt, to the coast, they'll actually get up into the 40s to near 50, so a little bit better down there. But unfortunately, the areas that have the accumulations right now are still going to be quite cold and not much better than freezing. And temperatures will drop again tonight. That's right. Tonight we'll have um, teens returning for the northern part of the state, uh, 20s for much of the rest of the state, except some 30s along the coast. So, so quite cold, and the majority of the state will be below freezing again tonight. Daniel Lamb with the National Weather Service in Jackson, thank you so much for outlining what we can anticipate today. Thank you. You're welcome. Everybody stay warm. As freezing rain and ice began to threaten access to power yesterday afternoon, Governor Tate Reeves took to Facebook to address residents. He discussed the challenges of the week-long winter event and praised the linemen working tirelessly to restore power throughout the storm. There are a lot of men and women that are putting themselves in harm's way, and we want to thank them. Our, our linemen uh, from our, our rural electric uh, co-ops, our 
men and women that, um, that are working at, at TVA, at Intergy, at Mississippi Power. Uh, those men and women are out in this weather helping protect us, and we want to thank them uh, along with our first responders, our healthcare heroes, and so many other people. Um, we, we know that ice is different than snow. You know, you can actually plow snow. It's very difficult to plow ice, uh, virtually impossible, and that's the, one of the reasons that we've seen prolonged challenges uh, here uh, that Mother Nature has brought us. There are still over 150,000 outages in a stretch that extends from Adams County in the southwest to Monroe County in the northeast. The governor also called upon Mississippians to be good neighbors. With outages in parts of the state and frigid conditions that could last into Friday, Reeves asked residents to check on one another. Please be safe, uh, take care of yourself, but also remember if you've got a, uh, uh, a neighbor that is elderly, You've got someone that, that maybe is, is struggling, might shut in close to you, try to check on them as well. Try to reach out to them and, and see and make sure that they're okay, that they're able to, uh, to stay warm. We certainly are doing that uh, from the state's perspective. I've been in virtually constant contact uh, with our Department of Public Safety, with our Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, uh, as well as the Department of Health and others, and we'll continue to do so. But nothing can go further than you checking on one of your neighbors uh, and, and alerting authorities should they need help. The continued hazardous weather conditions will be closing or delaying the opening of many Mississippi Department of Health County locations and COVID-19 drive through vaccination sites today. Only four department-operated vaccination sites will be open. The Jones, Forrest, Harrison, and Jackson locations. Appointments at closed sites have been automatically rescheduled for the same time on an alternate day. See the Department of Health website for details. Additionally, all COVID-19 drive through testing sites will be closed today, including the Old Farmer's Market location in Jackson. Coming up, a Mississippi congressman uses legislation from 1871 as grounds to sue former President Trump. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A Mississippi congressman is citing a Reconstruction-era act in a federal lawsuit against Donald Trump and the former president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Representative Benny Thompson says the Ku Klux Klan Act was passed in the years following the Civil War to ensure outside parties didn't interfere with newly elected Southern congressmen's ability to perform their duties. Now he is using the act in an attempt to hold Trump, Giuliani, and extremist groups accountable for the January 6th insurrection. In part one of his conversations with MPB's Karen Brown, Thompson explains the 1871 legislation that is the foundation of the suit and why he felt it was necessary action against the former president. After the Civil War, feelings were still very raw, uh, but we were trying to heal the nation. So this act was an effort to not be deterred by 
organizations like the Ku Klux Klan and other racist organizations who still wanted to separate themselves uh, from our national government. So that law was passed, and for since 1971, it's been on the books, and it's been used uh, in lawsuits to punish organizations like the Klan who try to prevent elected officials from doing their duties as prescribed by law. So when we saw the actions of January 6th uh, by the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and others, uh, we looked at that law as a, a great vehicle to stop those racist organizations from preventing members of Congress from doing their job. Do you know if this act has been cited before in previous civil suits? Yes, the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center has used it uh, on several occasions successfully uh, to thwart the uh, wishes of racist organizations. Uh, But it's not a well-known piece of legislation, Uh, but we're excited about it. And it's very clear that the violent insurrection that occurred on January 6th was solely intended to stop members of the House and Senate from doing their constitutional duties in certifying uh, the winner of the November general election. You are suing former President Donald Trump his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers. Are those two groups, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, the only two organized groups that you know of involved in the insurrection on January 6th? At this point, there are a number of individuals uh, that have been picked up by the FBI and other law enforcement officials who are members of splinter groups, but the only two organized groups uh, that we've identified in the, in the lawsuit, principally because uh, for the Oath Keepers, uh, one of their uh, officers individually broke windows with a glass shield to get into the Capitol during this insurrection. And as you know, the Proud Boys have provided security for a number of Trump supporters who've gone to jail and subsequently have been pardoned. So they have a history. It's not a good history, uh, but we feel that because they have taken it to such a violent level uh, by putting uh, members of Congress as well as employees and law enforcement officers who are sworn to protect the Capitol's lives at risk, uh, they have to be stopped. And so if the Senate could not stop Donald Trump uh, by convicting him in the impeachment form, we feel that having our day in court, as we have asked the court 
to give us will be an opportunity, if we are successful, to put those organizations out of business and make Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani relics of time past that we should not have to endure ever again. The suit was filed on your behalf by the NAACP and a civil rights law firm. Are they co-litigants with you? Well, I am the principal uh, plaintiff in the lawsuit. Uh, I will be joined by other members of Congress over the uh, weeks uh, to come. But clearly, I'm a life member of the NAACP. Uh, That organization has a rich history on fighting for justice and equality and civil rights uh, ever since it was founded. So I'm excited to be in partnership with them. Uh, The private council uh, have accepted uh, representing NAACP and Benny Thompson in pursuit of this matter. There are no public funds involved uh, whatsoever in uh, bringing this lawsuit. So clearly, this is an opportunity uh, for Benny Thompson and others to have our day in court. Uh, We feel that the evidence that was provided by the impeachment uh, uh, managers is significant. But we think, given the opportunity to have discovery from those organizations and others, uh, I feel like we will be successful in uh, the District of Columbia courts. How many congressional colleagues do you expect to join you? I would I would say we'll have 25 to 30 uh, before the final accounting is done. Uh, I was briefed uh, today uh, with several members who have expressed interest to join. But as we understand it, we can only make one additional uh, listing of plaintiffs. So we want to try to get the full list of plaintiffs and make this the one, obviously, and only addition to the suit. So there's great interest in it. Uh, There's uh, interest on the part of the law enforcement people who was hurt, which we can't, this law is very specific. There's interest on the staffs who work uh, in those buildings who were threatened. Uh, and then, you know, the people who had to, after all this craziness, had to clean the building up so we could go back to work. So they need representation because their lives were threatened. So I don't think uh, by any shape of the imagination that this is the only lawsuit. Uh, this is the first of potentially many on behalf of those individuals uh, who were uh, threatened during this insurrection by these racist individuals. In part two of our conversation with Congressman Benny Thompson. We want to put people who want to stop our democracy from going forward out of business. That's tomorrow, right here on Mississippi Edition. Coming up in our book club, Eudora Welty Photographs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Right now, we need connection more than ever. StoryCorps is inviting you to record a conversation with a loved one remotely. 
and archive it at the Library of Congress. Information about this limited virtual experience can be found at StoryCorps.org. StoryCorps is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Eudora Welty is without a doubt one of Mississippi's greatest writers, but she had an equal passion and talent for photography. In 1989, a book of her photographs was released by the University Press of Mississippi. It has been their biggest selling book ever since. After 30 years, a new edition was released in 2020, simply called Eudora Welty Photographs. Her niece, Mary Alice White, tells MPB's Karen Brown about Welty's view behind the lens. She was toying both with photography and writing. She was sending manuscripts off, and she was also taking pictures. She initially thought she could produce a book of her photographs, and this was, oh, I'd say in the 30s, and I think it was ahead of her time, so to speak. But she was in New York, and she saw a gallery, and they had an exhibition of an amateur photographers. So she went in, and she showed the owner some of her pictures, and he made some suggestions. She went back. She developed many of her pictures and worked on some of these pictures using the gallery owner's suggestions. He, in 1936, did have a showing of her photographs. She was always taking pictures during the Depression. She worked for the WPA, the Works Progress Administration, and she was a junior publicity agent, and she said she had the title junior because she was a female. She didn't take pictures for the WPA, but while she was traveling around, she was always just taking snapshots, as she called them, and she always saved these snapshots, and these Snapshots became the basis for several photography books. She's recognized as an excellent photographer as well as an excellent writer. She was just a very talented person. This book is very eclectic in what is displayed. She photographed people and places. Did she have a preference? She liked both. As she traveled around, she always said she just took photos spontaneously. She never posed people. She just said, oh, just keep on doing what you're doing. And she liked people, and she was interested in their expression or the way they stood. Her photographs show compassion. I mean, I can remember looking at the book of photographs with her. This was after the first 89. There's a wonderful picture. It's called A Woman of the 30s. And she would just talk about how much she loved that picture. And she said, look at this lady, how strong she appears. You can see the strength in her face and um, how even though her sweater was tattered, she just had this inner strength that just showed through. She took pictures of landscapes, buildings or scenes in New York, New Orleans. So she was always just snapping pictures. Looking through the pages of this book, turning the page and you'd see a face of someone. And just that photo, it seemed like it told so much about that person in one photograph because often they were close up, someone looking directly into the camera or maybe in profile, but just such a strong sense of who that person might have been. Exactly, and capturing the reality of the state, but with a compassionate eye. 
as you say, each had a story, and you can kind of see it in her pictures. It was first released in 1989. What's different about this version, this recently released version? First, it includes 16 new images. Many of these images have not been published, and some have never really been seen. And some were just favorites. Several of us who got together, Todd Lake at University Press, Forrest Gailey at the Department of Archives and History, Suzanne Mars, Eudora Welty Scholar, and myself. But we found ourselves kind of drawn to these first pictures she exhibited at the Lejeune Gallery in 1936. And half of the images are those. And I think part of the reason we were drawn to them because we knew Eudora had selected them. And so she must have liked them. Some of them were just our favorites. Carrying the Ice for Sunday Dinner, View from the Ferris Wheel. So that's one difference. But another big difference is the clarity of the images. In 1989, technology was not where it is today. The images, both in 89 and the most recent edition, were printed and produced from Eudora's original negatives, but the advancement in technology the clarity and the detail you can see is just amazing. Eudora Welty photographs from the University Press. I want to thank you so much for being with us, Mary Alice White, who is Eudora Welty's niece and involved in so many ways of moving her works forward. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I enjoyed visiting with you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.